This is Internet Marketing. Brought to you by Site Visibility at sitevisibility.com. This is Internet Marketing. Uh, today I'm joined by Stephen Kroom of First Conversion. Stephen, how are you doing? Hi, Andy. Doing very well, thank you. Great to be here. Excellent. Uh, first of all, Stephen, uh, tell us a little bit about yourself, a little bit about First Conversion. Well, First Conversion is kind of a general vehicle I use for everything I do, which is a lot of consulting, but also is various other things when I work with startups or arrange events or do any kind of weird thing. But I think the bits that's probably more pertinent to everybody here is that about 10 years ago, I started out working agency side as an SEO, really digging in, getting my hands dirty and learning the job. Um, And within that, really, I always had the mindset of just helping people make money rather than being an SEO or a PPC guy or a CRO guy. So Mm. I had clients on the agency side and everybody really was learning SEO back in the day or learning digital marketing back in the day. I got to broaden my skill set, dived into PPC, dived into CRO, looked at things like UX and UI and having a a wide range of channels and tools and then a wide range of of kind of customers and clients um, allowed me to give me a lot of room to experiment, play, learn, and help people improve. So I worked agency side probably for about four years. um, And then I could see the the change in SEO coming and and the growth of social media. And I went back to university and I did a master's degree in social media. Yeah. So I could finally abandon my biology degree and finally do a job and have an academic qualification that matched up. And when I came out of that, I kind of stumbled into an academic startup called Mendeley. And it seemed a good way to get back into working in digital after coming from academia, this, this crossover of academics and digital. So that was the first startup I worked for Uh, and kind of got bitten by the startup bug. So for the last four or so years, I've worked almost exclusively with startups, bringing kind of digital skills and helping, in most cases, people who who are building products add the next element, which is like, how do we make money? So I I think kind of where I get to now really is exactly that. I, I kind of help people who build products turn that into a business. But I know what you mean by the startup bug because I, I worked for a startup for about three years and it is a very... They've got quite a unique feel, haven't they? Yes, it's fun. Mm. I mean, I'm intense I, but fun. Yeah, I, I've kind of found the place I fit really is the small startups. You know, where they where they've raised a seed round or an A round mm. or a B round. Like, and if you've raised like over two or three million, then you're too too far ahead for me, right? I like to be kind of rolling up my sleeves with about four or five people in a tiny office. Yes, uh, and that's good fun. Right when you get to massive banks of desk, it's time for me to go. Yeah, um, and you can hire somebody from Cisco or SAP or, or Microsoft to do the job <laughs> I was there. Carry on, yeah, yeah. So yeah, absolutely bitten by the bug, and also because I've now worked with so many startups, I've learned to recognize a lot of the same things, and I think that's kind of put me in a very interesting niche, having these this really hardcore technical marketing knowledge, understanding what happens when a whole lot of developers and product people who've been in a room for a couple of years suddenly start to, to now be a business. 
you know, I've seen those problems a lot and I can really help them through it. Yes. yes. That, that kind yes. of combination of expertise, but also experience yeah. at this stage. So I'm enjoying a lot of bringing like more general business expertise and, you know, a big thing that I, I think the need is kind of change management. Yeah. How do you actually change? How do you grow? How do you, you know, add new functions to your business that you need? And I, I get a lot of value out of that. And I think they do as well. Interesting that you mentioned uh, developers there because there is a kind of, we'll come on to this later actually in the chat, but the, the disconnect mm. between marketing and development. But let's start off with, I mean, you, you, so you worked in, in, in this startup. What's the first thing that, from the marketing perspective, that startups should be doing? I mean, how do we start marketing as a startup? <laughs> well, I think Big question, the first thing, yeah, is they never think, they think of about two years too late, right? So just because, you know, from the outside, you look at a startup and it's got, it's been running for two years, there's like 12 people, they've raised venture capital, they've got a couple of million in the bank, and you think they know something about business or marketing or anything, and you walk in there, and from a business perspective, everything is on fire. Like, they've never thought of, like, do we capture emails? You know, do we measure anything? You know, they'll measure server uptime, but they won't measure how much, you know, they've ever spent on marketing or what a cost is to acquire a customer. Mm. So one is they start far too late. And that's probably is, is startup founders and startup people. They don't really realize the difference between building a product and running a business. Mm. And quite often the venture, you know, venture money or or backers and people who should know better, um, they don't really say it. They just, I, I don't know. I hope there's a big change in how they fund the companies and how they help companies, really, because they throw a lot of money at, at people to build a product, and really nobody's thinking about how we turn this into a business. Mm. So the first thing is think a lot earlier. And the way I work, really, I, I when I started consulting, I had to kind of feel it out and try find a way to work with startups in a way that kind of worked for me and worked for them. Yes. It's like, how can I be, a, you know, you can't afford me full time. So they're really on the edge, right, where they, they can't hire a full time marketer. And they just don't know what a good marketer looks like or what marketing they should be doing or like how much they should be spending or how much time mm they should be spending on marketing or sales or biz there for any of these things. And really that I figured that's like the best place to help them. So I, I kind of ended up putting together a package, which was like I time box it within, we're going to do something for three months. Mm. You're going to spend this much each month. So I could go into it and they would know how long it was going to last, how much money they'd spend and kind of, it would be time boxes as research piece to help them get started. And we say, okay, well, I'm going to help you. We're going to do some PPC. We're going to do a little bit of social advertising. You know, I'm going to have a look at kind of your UX cases. We can look at your, you know, your analytics, mm. right? And after that three months, and with me working with them, you know, they can take a bit of my knowledge generally wherever they need it and having very concrete outcomes for that three months. Then we kind of figure it out together. So, so what I'm looking for really is like I spend a bit of money on like let's say retargeting on Facebook ads and Twitter ads, LinkedIn ads, uh, Google ads. And then I can uh, – after three months, I can sit down with the CEO and go, okay, here's what it looks like. Here's what it costs mm. to acquire a visit on each channel. This is how much your cost per acquisition is per channel. And now you can take this and when you go speak to a VC for your next round of funding – 
you're going there like much better informed. Yes. Right. Because it must be tricky because, it, you know, there's so many different forms of, of online marketing you could do. How do we, I say we, how does, how does a startup or anyone for that matter know what's good for them and what isn't or what's right for them and what isn't? I think you, you just, you, I think the, the first thing I've learned is you have to go for the quickest returns at the beginning. Mm. Right, because one, you can't spend forever. Like something like SEO, startups can't afford to put money into something for six months before they see a return. They need they need to see a return as soon as possible. And a lot of that's about because they need to learn from it as quickly as possible. So you want to do the things that maybe they'll get you leads, maybe they'll get you sales, but you want to do the thing that you can learn as quickly as possible about your potential customers. Mm. So if I think of a client now, you know, I can look at, you know, they think over the last maybe four months, we've tried to target different segments using paid ads, landing pages that talk to those, you know, specific segments and being able to find out, okay, these types of people can turn into clients and these types of people don't, right? So they're, they're getting all this good marketing data and knowledge, but they're also getting very good ideas of kind of where they should focus mm longer term and and who is the wrong customer for them as well as who is the right customer so i think you want to look at things the things that allow you to iterate very quickly right especially in the life of a young startup yeah and then if you find something that works you're kind of i guess this is where my experience helps them i suppose you then go do you keep looking for other channels or do you try hit that one channel as hard as you can Mm. Right. And quite often for a startup is that if you find one thing that works, just cane that thing because you've probably been a bit lucky if you don't know really technical marketing or, or how to do other stuff. Right. If, if one thing works for you, just try to do that and get as much value out of that as you can and give yourself a little bit of time to experiment with other channels. Yeah. Yeah. Now, I know you've got um, a sort of a, a, a six step process, haven't you, for lead generation? Tell us just briefly about that. I don't, I don't expect you to sort of reveal all of your secrets, but just give us an overview <laughs> of how that sort of works. Uh, so the six-step process really comes from me trying to figure out how to do everything I need to do on the marketing side without involving other people. So startups are generally resource-constrained, and they're just trying to get going with marketing and sales and all this kind of stuff. So I know if... I can be as self-contained as possible. That's going to allow me to just get on with the job. If I have to rely on, you know, a development team that may be two, three, or four people, and they're trying to get product shipped, that's just going to slow marketing down. So the, the kind of the best case scenario is is something I can build myself and run myself. Mm. Um, and that's really where the process comes from. So I'm basically. Like starting right at the beginning with the process, I'm trying to figure out who the best you know users are going to be for the product, crafting some content for them, and that might be you know it's it sounds a bit cheesy sometimes, but stuff like white papers. Mm. If you're in a B2B context and you can write a really good piece of content, people will give you their contact details in exchange for that. So I'm using that, and then I use landing page tools like Unbounce. I'm a huge fan of Unbounce, really love their stuff. Unbounce. 
on unbounce. As in the opposite of bounce, an unbounce. Yes, an right. unbounce, which sounded weird when they came out, mm. but I've been using it for so long, it seems like a word now. So I put my content on unbounce, really, and you can, you know, it's got a lead gen form, and once people fill in the lead gen form, mm. you know, those, all that data I can send off to something like Salesforce for a sales team, and actually, I can put in a lot more data than just what people enter. So I'm adding kind of the UTM parameters from ads. I'm adding a whole lot of like hard-coded stuff that I've put in. And that all ends up in Salesforce and helps the salespeople have a much better sales call with this person. Mm-hmm. And then that, the emails and the details also get sent into MailChimp. right? And then I'm building a list of email people in MailChimp. But I'm also using MailChimp's automation features to send the content to people and a whole lot of other content over time. Mm-hmm. Right. So once they're kind of in the circle of, you know, it's hard for them to get out without going to a sales team or buying. Right. Because you're getting emails from me or I've dropped retargeting cookies on you. So I quite often use AdRoll just because it's like super quick to do retargeting with AdRoll and I can just get it going on day one. Right. So if you hit any of my landing pages or websites, I'm dropping that retargeting cookie on you. Mm. And I'm, basically following you around the internet with other juicy kind of white papers or webinars or interesting things to get you to come back, to give me your details, to get you to buy something or to get our sales team to call you. Yeah. And kind of, you just keep going around in that loop. And I'm using the social advertising to put this content in front of people. So Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn. Yeah, or- I was going to ask you about social because a lot of people often want to know about social. They want tips for Facebook and Twitter and LinkedIn, don't they? Yeah, I mean, it works amazingly for me. I, I think I'm just so glad other people haven't, it doesn't seem like other people have figured out, like this stuff is amazing for advertising, even B2B, SaaS. Literally, the more boring your thing is, actually the better it can be on social. Yeah. So, yeah, don't tell anyone else. <laughs> <laughs> Listeners, keep this to yourselves. Yeah, so what I'm doing, like people kind of ask, like where should I put my ads? And the question is, you put your ads on all of them, because they all give you a different way to reach your audience, including Google. So Google ads, Facebook, Twitter, and LinkedIn all have very unique kind of segmentation. Yeah. You know, LinkedIn is fabulous for actual job roles. So when I'm selling, you know, maybe a a SaaS product to like a C-level, I'm going straight to LinkedIn, targeting, you know, maybe architects, you know, CTOs for architectural firms. It's brilliant. Group targeting in LinkedIn, is, I think, is something that's kind of like a hidden win, really. LinkedIn groups are really great for targeting. Yeah. When the, like when the, the other stuff gets a bit more expensive, the groups are good. Twitter is also amazing. Mostly I just do like people who follow competitors, like super simple, or people who follow you know, the biggest names in a certain sector. Mm. Right. So if I'm looking for web developers, I'm just looking for people who follow the super geeky other web developers. Yeah. Right. You can get you can get like in some cases like almost perfect targeting with almost no kind of extraneous or wasted people in, in your, your targeting buckets. And similarly with Facebook. And I mean, one of the great things with Facebook is there's now just so much in that platform. You know, you can upload your own data and tar- like lookalike audiences. Mm. It's really amazing, you know, as well as just the depth of information. They're buying in information from other sources. 
So if you want to do, you know, like sometimes, you know, I use this as a, a kind of fun example of if you had to figure out how do you target poor people on Facebook, you know, there's things like, well, if they like McDonald's or if they like, you know, the weather spoons, right? Yeah, this, yeah. Is, this is stuff I've done with clients who are like literally a client who was looking for diabetics to go on medical trials and you're going, well, actually, if they like McDonald's on Facebook, maybe that's an okay kind of targeting group to try wow. out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And there's things like you can do stuff like if people have more than three credit cards. Yeah. Right. So you can find people who do, maybe who have bad buying habits. If you're like a payday loan company. Mm. Normally, you know, when I see the depth of data and targeting in Facebook, my mind just turns to, I don't know, the darker, spammier side. Mm. Uh, not that I do it, but it's an interesting intellectual exercise to figure out, gosh, I could use this stuff for all kinds of crazy things, mm. including things like political affiliation and oh, all kinds of interesting stuff. It gets quite controversial, doesn't it? Um, we we, <laughs> yeah, we touched on this earlier, actually, just just just, just briefly because time's getting on. I just wanted to talk about developers. Um, there's often a, a, a disconnect, isn't there, between sort of uh, – sort of uh, development and then the sort of we try and add the marketer <laughs> for want yeah. of a better phraseology um just tell us about those challenges in your experience yeah so like from day one i've always worked with with kind of big development teams and last year i worked also as a product owner kind of a, in an agile scrum uh, environment and later went on to do the the scrum product owner qualification so I kind of have worked with developers all the way through from being a product owner, very specifically building stuff, as well as being kind of the outsider, first business person who joins their team. So over the years, I've had to figure out kind of ways of working with developers to get them on side with the marketing team. So, And I think the first thing is, especially in startups, is kind of realizing that when I come in, as I said before, it looks like everything's on fire to me from the mm. business yeah. But for them, they've been working like a year or two on a project. Everything looks really good because they finally got to the point where their product's going live. They're getting, you know, they're getting to the point where they can hire a business team, and it, it's like their baby. Mm. And you can't kind of jump in, kind of boots and all as a marketer, say, "Oh, we have to change this, and this is wrong, and this is bad," because that that looks like it definitely from the business side, but it th doesn't look like it from the development side. Yeah. So one is kind of understanding that as a business and as a startup, you're about to go through this period of immense change in the way you've worked and that kind of change management is a really big issue and something you need to focus on for the next year or two. But nobody ever tells you that. You never really think about it. So I really think about when I'm introducing new concepts and new changes, how do I do that? And really with, with developers, you know, from like an example is on the SEO side, if I ask them to make a change for me, you know, I'll always try and go back like a month or two later with like a graph from Google Analytics and say, hey, you made this change, you know, two months ago yeah. based on faith and, you, <laughs> you know, you didn't really want to, you wanted to do something else, but you did this for me. And like, here's the graph and yeah. here's the impact of the work. Because developers right? like graphs, don't they? So, yeah, so I like to go back with something concrete, yeah. right? Like, because they, you know, very much like as a marketer, you're in this very gray world. Mm. Um, and as a developer, you're in a very black and white world. So any bit of like concrete numbers or data that I can take out of the marketing world and go over to a developer and show them the impact of their work, 
I do that as much as I can because that really wins them over. Um, so th- that's a really big thing. The other thing I've done, which actually is more about bringing a whole business kind of in line with itself, is take like v- the very basic KPIs of a business team, like number of leads, number of sales, number of phone calls, kind of, um, you know, how happy are our clients, mm. all the way through that kind of business funnel, if you like, and just put that on the wall every month and measure that KPI and let everybody in the business, including the developers, see that. And then what happens is if those numbers go down, then the developers tend to ask really tricky questions about that. Mm. right? Because once you're showing data and information and numbers and that this is the important stuff, then they start to pay attention to it. And then I can use their... (laughs) I can use them to create change within a business team because if a number's going down or we're not like hitting a revenue target, yeah. you know, sometimes a new sales team will try and hide that fact or change the targets or do all this kind of stuff. And then I really like having developers who just won't let go. You know, you said you were going to hit this number. Why didn't we hit this number? So you right. effectively achieved something which is supposed to be impossible. You actually managed to herd developers. Well, I, I won't say that, but what, <laughs> what I can say is, you know, I, I really just try and be as transparent as possible and try and take as much data as I can. Yeah. So I think that the clarity, transparency, data, and just being as organized as you can really helps me when I'm talking to developers because we're, we're, we're more on the same page. Yeah, yeah. Well, Stephen, thank you so much for joining us today. Um, let's finish off with uh, perhaps you can tell our listeners how people can find out more about you and uh, more about First Conversion. Cool. Well, I think there's two great ways. One is firstconversion.com. I'm there. Yeah. Uh, the other thing I do is I run in London at Google Campus. I run a startup growth meetup once a month. Uh, so you can find us on meetup.com, London Startup Growth Meetup. Please come along. So a completely terrible way to follow me would be to follow me on Twitter, which is at First Conversion, uh, which contains some really insightful marketing as well as a whole lot of other rubbish. So you follow me there at your own peril. <laughs> Thanks, Stephen. So uh, that's it for this week. Um, show notes are, out, are at the usual place, sitevisibility.com slash podcast. Um, we're looking to answer some questions, so please send questions in and comments. The email is podcast at sitevisibility.com, and uh, we'll aim to get those answered. There's also a magic phone number, plus four four one two seven three two five six one five zero. Well, that's all from me, Andy, and it's all from Stephen. Thank you all. Have a good night. And we'll see you next time on Internet Marketing. have a secret. I wore the wrong foundation for years. Then I discovered Il Maquillage, the boldest new brand in beauty. With 20,000 five-star reviews and 50 shades of flawless coverage, their Woke Up Like This foundation is a bestseller for a reason. It's tough buying foundation online, but their Power Match quiz matched me perfectly. And with Try Before You Buy, you can try your shade free for 14 days. Take the quiz at ilmakiage.com quiz. That's I-L-M-A-K-I-A-G-E dot com slash quiz.